Welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journeys. I think people who work for BB Corps really understand it because they have a completely different employment experience. Typically, they have a much higher level of satisfaction at work, but also belief in what they're doing. And that can be quite life-changing. Somehow, we need to be able to create that similar narrative for consumers as we, as we are for employees. Um, and that's a work in progress. We introduced a profit share for our employees because, again, that's the kind of thing that, that wins you credit in the B Impact Assessment. So 5% of our net profits are now shared with all of our employees and hopefully we'll move that forward over time. I'm very pleased today to introduce James Perry. James is the B Corps Mastermind co-chair and co-founder of B-Lab UK, a UK charity which exists to support a community of UK-based B Corps. He was instrumental in managing the launch of B Corps in the UK. James is currently Chief Executive of Panaher, where he's led the transition from being a traditional grant-making charitable trust into a sustainable social impact investor. Thank you very much, James, for taking the time to speak to inspiring social entrepreneurs today. It's a pleasure. It's very interesting to have an opportunity to talk to you and get your perspective on the growth and success of B corporations, uh, particularly in the UK. It's an interesting and quite fast growing phenomenon. It grew up in America, but it seems to have expanded internationally quite quickly. How's it been here in the UK? We started um, exploring whether or not this was something that would work in the UK about a year and a half ago or two years ago. And quite quickly, we learned that there was a, a gap, really, I suppose, between uh, profit maximizing businesses on the one hand, who just saw their role as being to create as much shareholder value as they could, and kind of the uh, social sector organizations on the other hand, um, the community interest companies and the social social enterprises and so on, which have a massively uh, proud heritage in Britain, but mostly had um, had adopted some sort of uh, social sector structure, like a community interest company or a charity trading or a company limited by guarantee. And there was a bit of a, va- a vacuum in the middle between, um, between those guys doing their incredible stuff and sort of red meat eating, profit maximizing business. So just looking at it from the social sector perspective, you talked about, you know, the different options, and I guess they have their different qualities. What does being a B Corporation offer them? What B Corporations are broadly and and at their heart is people using business as a force for good. Um, And the the, um, large numbers of social enterprises and community interest companies and so on are doing that. Um, and 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 yet, uh, mostly companies limited by shares don't see themselves as social enterprises or community community interest companies. They see themselves as regular businesses. What B Corps are really offering uh, predominantly is people of operating regular businesses the opportunity to intentionally run them to create social and environmental value as, alongside shareholder value. So our relationship with those. Um, uh, those social sector organizations tends to be uh, predominantly in the supply chain, uh, but some of them are certifying as B corporations as well. Um, it's, a, it's a kind of, um, it's, it's very much a kind of um, uh, collaborative, uh, the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. And how many then companies are there? Have you any indication, a rough sense of that in the UK at the moment, B corporations? Well, there's about 90 certified B corporations in the UK. Um, 
there were about 60 when we launched um, six, 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 just over six months ago. Um, so it's growing fairly rapidly, and they're all they're all sorts of companies, right? Right from the sort of multi-hundred million pound turning over, uh, sort of one company which is a public sector outsourcer, for example, which is turning over many hundreds of millions of pounds, right down to um, owner-operated businesses. So it's a complete range in terms of size, um, and also a range in terms of uh, of number of numbers of employees, what industries they're in, uh, what stage of development they're in. Right. Uh, and there's about 1,400 companies which have logged on to the B Impact Assessment and are having a look at um, are having a look at what being being a B Corporation uh, means. But the truth of it is that the standards are pretty high. The level of performance one has to achieve is quite high. So um, that you know, not everyone who looks at whether uh, whether they can uh, use the uh, performance measures will end up certifying as a B Corporation. Right, right. And and what is what do they see as the advantages? What what attracts them about becoming a B corporation? Broadly, uh, businesses uh, the default position is that they're for for sort of regular businesses the default position is that they're there to maximise the financial interests of their shareholders. But a lot of entrepreneurs and business people uh, see that they have a much broader opportunity to create value than that. You know, for their employees, for communities, for the planet. But it's very difficult for them to do that when the kind of, you know, over, overwhelming culture in business is to create financial value for shareholders. So what the B Corporation really does is it gives a structure and a framework for those business leaders to talk to their investors and also to talk to their other stakeholders and say, you know, we're not we're not see, simply here to extract as much money as we can from this from this activity you know we're here to to do much more than that and and shareholder value is just part of it and we're balancing the interests of the shareholders with the interests of the other stakeholders so it's a completely different approach to business and what being a business is act, actually means and you mentioned the b impact assessment and that sounds very interesting. I know that it's a tricky area in the sense that it's easier to measure financial returns than non-financial and impact returns. And I think this is much needed. Yeah, it's, it is complicated uh, to do this. And uh, the B Impact Assessment is now in, uh, it's been around for about 10 years. Um, it's now in version five, a new version is reissued every two years. The first thing we'd say about the B Impact Assessment is that it could be improved um, and it's constantly being improved. Uh, it measures about um, just, it's got, there's over 200 areas where it measures performance um, split into basically five categories. Um, how is the business performing for its employees? How is it performing for the environment, communities, governance? and then the intentional social impact that the business is having. So those five areas. And, and it's pretty complex in terms of the various different things it's, it's measuring and, and asking about. And it's awarding essentially points for your answers, uh, fractions of points for most questions. Um, and when you aggregate all those points together, if a company is achieving uh, a score of 80 or greater, um, out of 200, then it's meeting the performance requirement. Um, and if you go onto the B uh, Corporation website, every certified B Corporation has to publish its score so that you can see how it's performing against its different stakeholders. There are several initiatives around, I guess, in mainstream business. There's the SASBAN, GRI, integrated reporting. How does it fit in with these kind of initiatives? More and more, the effort is being made to try to harmonize so all of these indices that are emerging can cause quite a lot of confusion. 
Um, the B impact assessment increasingly is doing a lot of work with these other metrics to try to harmonize them and get greater look through so that people can make sense of it. But generally speaking, about 40,000 companies have used the B impact assessment to what we call measure what matters. And um, it's a really useful tool to give a kind of holistic business uh, understanding of the sorts of areas that one needs to approach to improve social environmental performance. Um, but broadly speaking, the, 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 the view is, tends to be that uh, the B impact assessment bar of 80 is pretty high um, and that about one in 10 companies who measure what matters and look to improve their performance. Investors matter here, don't they? And there is there does seem to be a, a groundswell of change on that front with investors paying more attention to impact and sustainability and measures like that and different indices and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I think it's true to say that until recently, this kind of idea has terrified investors because they think, um, how are you going to look after my interests if you're trying to create value for all sorts of other people as well? How can you retain focus? How will you make decisions? But of course, the truth of it is, if you want to run a successful business, you have to be profitable and you have to be able to, otherwise you can't grow, you can't attract capital. Um, and actually, they're starting to realize that if you do create uh, social environmental value intentionally, it has two major effects. The first one is that it makes your business more resilient in the long term, so you're better placed to create long-term value. And the second thing is that you switch on your, your people because people want to do something useful with their lives. You know, and when you create when the business is offered as a platform to people to do something good in the world, then that really turns people on. And I think increasingly we're seeing with younger people, millennials coming into the rising up uh, and younger people coming into the workplace, they want some purpose in their career. They don't want to just work for an old fashioned extractive business. Um, and, and, and increasingly, therefore, B corporations and companies like them are starting to attract better talent. And that tends to, in turn, uh, create better businesses. So I think the invest, investment world is definitely uh, kind of evolving in their understanding. And actually, a venture capital firm uh, uh, certified as a B corporation last month um, and institutional investors are increasingly being prepared to invest in B corporations. George Serafim at Harvard has done quite a bit of research now about connecting sustainability and shareholder value and it's quite pioneering work that really shows that companies that really are committed to sustainability get significant financial benefits, perform better and financially and, and also as an investment. So I think this is quite a new area because I think for many there is an established idea or an old idea that there's got to be a trade-off that, you know, it's sustainability or impact that that costs and must be a drag on profits, but actually it's the opposite. Yeah, I think I think that there's a fundamental seismic shift underway in the global economy, which um, young people tend to understand pretty intuitively, but older business people just can't can't often get their heads around. And it comes to the really to the root of this question of competition, because I think the old economy was very much based on this idea of competition, of knowledge being power of secret being secretive and of essentially having winners and losers and i think that the new economy is increasingly based on the notion of collaboration and on the idea that if we want to create the sort of world we want to live in uh, we're much better off to co in collaborating and sharing knowledge and understanding and in growing together and uh, and, and those two worlds are culturally extremely sort of different and, uh, and, and, the, and they, it's very difficult to blend the two together. So in some ways, there's a kind of quiet revolution happening 
how do you see that evolving in the UK? I mean, more generally, I mean, I suppose the whole triple bottom line, you can be an organization, I suppose, that is committed to a triple bottom line, but, you know, isn't a B corporation, but maybe on that journey, um, there does seem to be rising interest in that and pursuing a broader stakeholder focus. How do you see that in the last couple of years in the UK and maybe looking forward? Yeah, and I think that, you know, the B Corporation movement certainly is, um, I hope, uh, we approach the task with a certain amount of humility in that we realise that we're just a part of the solution um, and that the transition to a new economy is a team sport. And there are a huge number of inspiring organizations and people and movements across the ecosystem, the economic, the, the, the whole economy, who are really leading. And, you know, what B corporations are trying to do is create a understandable and material tool for business leaders to adopt so that their business can can make this change into being a stakeholder triple bottom line company but we're not alone and uh, you know so we talked a bit about the social economy earlier and social enterprises and so on who are doing an inspiring work uh, in their in their sort of part of the economy and um, and we're doing something in in a slightly different part of the economy and then the, and then on the big corporate side you know some of the um you know what used to be known as CSR is evolving really fast, and uh, I see that those guys are starting to make real progress in affecting the strategy of their companies. Whereas pre- previously they might have been a bit more about window dressing, not 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 themselves personally, but that their companies saw them that way. Um, but but less so. And you know, in the capital markets, increasingly there are investors who are saying, um, you know, it's just not good enough to. Um, to tell me that you don't have a view on social and environmental impact because it matters um, and it matters to pension funds, it matters to insurance companies and it ma- matters to individuals and people. So, um, you know, I think the world's changing fast. Yes, absolutely. And in the UK, what's your goal in the next, you know, three to five years or how do you look at that? Well, we want to be able to offer the purpose-led business sector in Britain some means of identification and uh, community. and. To be honest, we've we've already got a very thriving community of wonderful, inspiring businesses and business leaders, um, and it's an and we're an open uh, we're an open platform. So we welcome anybody in. Um, we'd love to see it grow. Um, we 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 love working with um, with others, uh, in, working in different parts of the economy. Um, on the same task to to create a more just and inclusive economy. Um, so yeah, we see that the future is pretty bright because um, successful businesses more and more are realizing that this is the way to go. Um, we've got a lot of interest and um, and hopefully, and, and I suppose the, the key design principle of the B Corporation movement is that it's for leaders. So, you know, the B, the B Lab, if you like, as the charity which supports B corporations, isn't taking leadership. The thing that's taking leadership is the B corporations themselves and the business leaders. And we're seeing more and more of that. And, and our job is just to support that and hope that it, it carries on growing. Can you talk a little bit more about the, the the actual impact assessment? I mean, it sounds like it's very broad ranging. And as you say, it's continuously evolving. What are a few of the key areas worth thinking about for companies that are considering becoming a B corporation? The reason I got involved in B corporations was when Cook, which is my business, certified um, certified as a B corporation in 2013. And the sorts of things that we changed as a result of looking at these things, you know, we looked at it from, for example, from employees, you know, we were finding that actually um, things like pay differentials, um, you know, you, you get more points for having a lower pay differential. So at Cook now, uh, the lowest paid person to the highest paid person is a 13x multiple, one three, um, which is relatively low for a for a sort of 
for a business the size of ours. Um, we don't necessarily think that's right, um, but it's a lot lower than most. And again, that, that's the kind of thing that gives us more points. So we're, look, we're looking at reducing that pay differential from top to bottom. Another good example is we introduced a profit share for our employees, because again, that's the kind of thing that, that wins you credit in the B Impact Assessment. So 5% of, uh, of our net profits are now shared with all of our employees, and hopefully we'll move that forward over time. Um, so there's lots of quite material things one can do with, say, employees. In terms of the environment, you know, we've we've fixed the roof in hundreds of areas. But, you know, for example, we now measure, we never used to measure water usage. We now measure water usage per portion and we use about a quarter of the water that we did three or four years ago before we started measuring it. Um, so there's, there's, there's um, you know, across uh, employees, communities, the environment, uh, governance and so on. There's a whole raft of um, of, of of areas where one improve one, one can improve, the, you know, diverse gender diversity on boards. Something we've looked at um, in terms of governance, in terms of um, communities. We now have a community discount where anybody running a community event to uh, feed uh, to feed people, we give them thirty percent off our food. So um, lots of sort of uh, charity groups and church groups and so on who are feeding people when they're running their programs now can use cooked food cheaply. So all sorts of stuff like that. And I guess there's been a big drive since COP21, focus on the environmental side of things and particularly climate change. Can you talk a bit about that? Uh, what we find with uh, with the B Corporation community is there's a huge number of renewable energy uh, companies and uh, companies focused on uh, creating a more sustainable world in the community. So um, every everything from um, people manufacturing solar panels to uh, energy utility companies. You know, in Vermont, for example, um, I think almost 100% of Vermont's energy supply is uh, now renewable. And, and Vermont's largest energy, energy utility company is a B Corp. Um, so uh, this, this whole um, area of COP21, where more and more uh, the economy is going to be forced to look at uh, sustainability, um, is something which drives more and more companies towards the B Corp community because it's part of our DNA. Um, and, I, and I think there's other, but I think, again, I think that there are other really important initiatives. Like we, in, in Britain, we have the Carbon Tracker Initiative, uh, having a really important conversation in the city with, um, with uh, fuel uh, energy companies and banks about uh, stranded assets and assets that might be uh, uh, valued on their balance sheets, which can't actually be extracted um, and value can't be realized for them and what are they going to do about that so so you know as i say b corps are part of the solution but we're part of a much broader ecosystem for change you mentioned the uh, renewable energy there's been such big steps there i've been mean, portugal ran for several days on on renewable energy uh, germany some of the states as well it seems like it's really reaching a critical mass in some areas now yeah, investors increasingly are realizing that um, they can't just take the returns from fossil fuel companies and expect that and, and think that that's good enough and expect that to, to continue. And the divest invest uh, movement um, is having huge, huge success by signing up asset owners saying, actually, we got to get out of this out of this sector. Um, but it's not just interestingly in the environment. You know, it's interesting to see. Um, uh, AXA, the massive insurance company, 950 billion pounds under management a couple of weeks ago announced that it was exiting the tobacco industry and the reason it was doing that was twofold firstly it was saying it is no longer acceptable for a company like ours to invest in a sector which is ultimately killing its customers which i thought was an interesting way of putting it um stating the bleeding obvious but still quite a big thing for a 950 billion pound asset owner to say 
Um, and the second reason is because I think they see that the industry is going to die because the policy environment is now turned against it and uh, consumers increasingly think that it's just it's just no good. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite powerful, the divestment program generally. What about the investors again? I mean, because you talk about the impact assessment and I suppose um, impact investors, not the same thing, but um, can you talk a little bit about the relationship between them? From, from the B Corp movement's point of view, we see that there are some of the world's best emerging businesses are choosing to certify as B corporations. And that's obviously of great interest to investors. Problem is, of course, that um, any institutional investor typically has a fund mandate. Uh, and the mandate will typically say that the responsibility of the manager is to make as much money on behalf of their investors as they possibly can. And even if the mandate isn't explicit about that, that tends to then be the culture and practice around the idea of fiduciary responsibility. It's perceived that that's the fiduciary responsibility of people managing other people's money. So it causes quite a lot of barriers to the ability of investors, even if commercially they think this is this is a great thing to do. Um, it, it causes them sleepless nights. So a lot of our work is involved in trying to remove those barriers to investors. Um, and that comes into questions around, you know, what is fiduciary duty? What does it mean? But also making the business case for uh, for taking a broader approach to what a business can do in the world. Um, and there's a very strong business case emerging. Uh, the trouble is, of course, uh, this B Corp movement is only nine years old uh, and uh, investor investment horizons are quite long term and they need quite a lot of track record before they decide to do anything. So, you know, we're caught in that slight timing trap of uh, the world needs change. There's an appetite for change. It's becoming increasingly obvious, but unfortunately for the for the institutionally invest institutional investment world, uh, there probably isn't the track record yet to make it a a decision that they feel comfortable with, and that's a conversation that sort of remains live and how we can move money into better things um, without waiting for kind of um, for Rome to burn down in the meantime. It's striking at some companies, and I think Unilever in particular, what they've been doing recently and their commitment really to sustainability is quite striking. Yeah, and uh, and right at the top, Paul Polman, Sue Garrard, these, ins- these are inspiring leaders who really, really get it. And they also understand, I think, that uh, if Unilever is to thrive over the long term and to create good sustainable value for its shareholders, um, it really needs to embrace this agenda. I think it's still very challenging for them. I think when you're operating in that many countries with that many brands, with that many employees, and with the sorts of in, in, you know global institutional investors that a huge global company like that has, you know, these conversations are really complex. I also think uh, it's worth noting that a company like Unilever will have revenue streams which don't uh, which don't sit absolutely naturally and comfortably with the narrative of sustainability and long-term uh, social and environmental value creation. I think that's just a fact of life. And what's really important is, um, you know, as long as these businesses and business leaders are sincerely pursuing uh, a better path and they're doing it in a in a with with urgency, um, then you know w- w- our job is to really help them and work with them to overcome some of those challenges. Uh, Because I think it's quite easy sometimes to see the aspirations at the top of those companies and then see some of the worst legacy practices in various different parts of the world and see quite a big gap. And I think that that's natural and that's a tension that we need to lean into rather than sort of um, uh, get frustrated with. 
It's very interesting the the way you frame that because it is clearly, as you say, uh, for a giant company, uh, for any of the you know the largest companies in the world on this journey, they're so all encompassing. There's uh, with their supply chains as well. It's quite a long journey as well. Exactly, and and it's complex. And part of the problem is that the rules of the game and the system design was designed for the old, if you like, the old practices that we're saying may not be optimal anymore in this world with the challenges that we know we face so so the system design is 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 the biggest laggard if you like and the incentives within the system so these leaders of some of these big companies are having to fight that uh, within that context and there are systemic barriers and there are uh, there are numerous complexities and 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 um that's what you know that's what i see numerous people gl- grappling with every day, whether they're within the B Corp movement or more broadly. Um, and, and that's what inspires me. But it's also the more you do it, the more you realize that, um, you know, it's it, it, the bleeding obvious, if you like, is not necessarily bleeding obvious when you try to actually implement it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's been very interesting to hear you your take on the landscape in the UK, particularly as well as more generally. In, in the next couple of years, have you any other plans for the B Lab? Yeah, so I mean, we're focused on um, on firstly creating a strong and vibrant community of brilliant businesses who are really genuinely, measurably, uh, materially creating social and environmental value. So our core is the businesses, but then we're also focused on, if you like, the ecosystems. Some of the challenges that we've just talked about in, in playing our part in helping to challenge those things that need to be challenged and be constructive in in uh, helping develop solutions but then more broadly than that you know i think i think ultimately the the thing that's going to drive change is people and this is a devilishly difficult area to engage the ordinary man in the street with man and woman in the street you know it's you know people tend to be concerned about you know rightly concerned about things like employment uh you know paying the monthly bills those sorts of things um better business can seem a little bit fluffy and esoteric and distant from them. But if we're going to succeed, we really need people to, we need to be able to engage people in why it matters and why it matters to them. And I think that the big challenge that we all have, the B Corporation movement and the kind of new economy movement more generally, is how to make that really compelling for people. I think people who work for B Corps really understand it because they have a completely different employment experience. Uh, and they typically they have a much higher level of um, satisfaction at work, but also belief in what they're doing. Um, and that can be quite life changing. I think that um, somehow we need to be able to create that similar narrative for consumers as we as we are for employees. Um, and that's a work in progress. I wish you the very best success on your journey and helping support businesses do good and and grow well and help create a better world. So thank you very much, James, for taking the time today. It's been fascinating to to get your perspective. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Virgil. Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.